go. Everybody, good evening. DanceIntelDogNation.com. We've got another edition of Before the Hedges, uh, late June edition. I uh, hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody's having themselves a good evening wherever you might be. Uh, as you guys could kind of could kind of have a test from the headline of this show. What I kind of feel right now is this is right now the end of June. Last couple of weeks, next two weeks to me feels like a rapidly changing landscape for the 2021 class. And for me, in a lot of cases, it just seems like a lot of these young men have decided that the pandemic, the corona, the recruiting pause button, that it seems like a lot of these young men are just ready for some action ready to make something happen, whether it's they want to slow down some of the recruiting um, Zoom, some of the recruiting attention. Uh, they just wanted to make something happen with their recruiting. And you're seeing a lot of young men, a lot of young men making the decision that they feel like they're ready to commit. And it's very different for a guy like me that's done this for a matter of time now. And I, it's almost like when you listen to these young men and, and it, first of all, it's, it's going to be a problem for the 2022 guys and the 2023 guys who haven't been seen, who haven't been evaluated. This spring practice would have been crucial for them a lot because I always feel that um, the season after your sophomore year in high school is where you make your most gains, where you make your most strides. You start maturing, you start looking maybe. 80, 85% about what you're going to look like as a, uh, as a senior or maybe a freshman in college. But um, by and large, with some, with some variance there. But right, <clears throat> right now with this class, you see a lot of guys that are just deciding they're ready to commit. And it's odd when I, when I speak to a lot of these guys because uh, you, you listen to guys, and these are names you guys will read about or already read about on dognation.com, but – these are guys that have their top fives and they have their top eights or their top fours. And a lot of them tell me, you know, like when I ask them, I said, well, what do you know about these schools? Did you get a chance to see them uh, before the shutdown from Corona, from the coronavirus? And a, a lot, I mean, a lot folks is I'm hearing guys say, well, I've only visited one of my top eight or I haven't visited any of my top five. And yet some of these guys are almost, you know, jockeying to make a, a decision. And that's what's different for this class. I think we continue to to bring up the number. I think Bud Elliott of 24-7 Sports has done a great job. And roughly a lot of his reporting through the month of June is the number of commitments right now are, are maybe, a th maybe three times the amount of commitments that would have happened in a normal cycle. And that's telling. It certainly speaks to me that when things do get rolling again, that you'll have a lot of decisions made by recruits and also decisions made by the programs that have accepted these Corona commitments um, that, that things are a lot different, like that, that they never took visits or they, they weren't really sure about it. I think you're going to see a lot of that, but the thing nobody really knows right now is when I had a, I had a thought that I shared in the dog nation forum that I also tweeted out where this kind of, to me, just feels a lot like the NFL preseason, whereas I don't think recruiting will actually start. You can say it the green flag or whatever you want to say, whatever sports metaphor you fancy there. But to me, it just doesn't feel like a lot of this recruiting is going to get started until these young men can get on campus again and these young men can 
take visits and these young men can be seen and evaluated again. That's going to, that's going to change the way a lot of these are viewed for a lot of these players where again, they're just going off a lot of their junior film and their bodies have changed. Maybe their positions have changed. Maybe what they'll do for their high school, high school programs have changed a lot as well. And I think, I think once recruiting does happen again and folks, you're starting to see headlines um, and maybe it will come out a little bit more over the next couple of weeks, but you're starting to see headlines where, uh, you know, 20, 30, 15 to 20 players at a lot of these SEC programs or power five major programs. A lot of these, um, a lot of these players, you know, they're testing positive and that means you go contact tracing with everybody they came in touch with. And that means a 14 day quarantine. And for me, which is what I've been saying for, for a while now is I don't really see a lot of these players coming back and these recruits coming back for those on-campus official visits or unofficial visits. I don't see it happening uh, for a lot of these players until at least September. That's just, just the feeling I get right there. But, you know, going to going back to what we started off the show with and what we looked at was things are really changing really fast for the 2021 cycle for Georgia. And what I mean by that is, Two of the, let's face it, the biggest names remaining on the board for Georgia, uh, five-star cornerback Tony Grimes is ready to make his decision. Uh, his decision will be made on July the 30th. I think it'll be around 5 p.m. where it'll be released via, probably be a commitment notes app, and there'll be a commitment video released as well. And then you see Dallas Turner on July 1st. The next day, he's got a top five. Uh He's going to make his decision known as well. And for a lot of these guys, Dallas told me that he's been able to separate some schools or to figure out what he needed to figure out over the last couple of months, even with the pandemic recruiting, the Zoom, the Zoom meetings, the, the virtual visits, what you're happening, what you're seeing right there. So he's been able to find what he needed to see to make a college decision without maybe some pivotal visits. And you know, I think what it is with Georgia and its staff is – listen, we bring up this point a lot. I think I, fa I think I fancy a term called black belt recruiters. And what I mean by that is Georgia's staff, the way they've been uh, assembled, is, is simply one of the finest recruiting staffs in the country. But when you're doing a lot of this recruiting over, over a Wi-Fi connection, you don't really have a chance to, to distinguish yourself as, you know, this is different things are different in Athens. It feels better. And I liken it a lot to some of the, some of the, some of the great work Georgia did in the 2020 recruiting cycle. I brought up in our dog nation story on Tony Grimes that, uh, that we posted on Tuesday is that, you know, I liken this to the, to the recruiting with Keely Ringo out in Arizona a year ago. Well, Keely had a really big January junior day visit for Georgia and then he kept following it up with big visits. He was there at Georgia for, he was there at Georgia for G Day. He was there at Georgia for the scavenger hunt. He was there at Georgia. That was late May. G Day was in the middle of April. He was there at Georgia for the cookout in late July. All these visits kind of stacked together to allow him to feel a certain type of way about Georgia. And right now, you're just not getting those visits. You're not getting those visits for Tony Grimes. You're not getting those visits for. Dallas Turner, you're not getting those visits for Mason Smith, Corey Foreman, a lot of those guys on the board for Georgia. They're just not able to kind of have that the chance to visit Georgia or visit any school where they start to figure out some things about their recruiting. 
And, um, you know, that's kind of the way things are evolving right now in the 2021 class where, you know, Georgia's just not getting a lot of the opportunities to distinguish itself as one of the better brands in college football because everybody is kind of recruiting off a level playing field. They're zooming, they're cracking jokes, they're throwing information at recruits. And it, it just kind of feels like the same things over and over. And the only way things get to be any different is when you can actually put boots on the ground. What some recruits tell me that that they need to breathe the air. Malcolm Johnson told me that, that he needed to see the schools. He needed to breathe the air to start figuring out what the differences are. Um, so you see a lot of that going on right now. And that's what's different about the 2021 recruiting cycle. I think, folks, you watch over the next week maybe the first week of July. July has always been big for recruits that are ready to do it, ready to do it before their senior seasons. And you're going to see a lot of that over the next two weeks. A lot more commitments are going to come in over the next two weeks. I think some commitments are going to come in over the 22 cycle over the next couple of weeks as well, 10 days as well. So you're going to see a lot of things. Um, I guess normalcy is the word everybody searches for right now. Well, this is, this is going to be a lot different than what we're used to seeing a lot of things like that going on. Folks, I'm Jeff Sintel for DogNation.com. We are brought to you each and every week by our uh, fine partners, our great partners at Kroger. Hope everybody got a chance to participate in the Happy Father's Day contest. Um, one lucky Dog Nation viewer, member of the Dog Nation community, they got a chance to see, uh, they got a chance to get a $50 gift card from Kroger. And also a gas grill from Kroger as well for their submission, uh, their entry on our contest page where you guys saw it, you guys ranked them, and you guys voted on all of that. Um, I want to say hi to everybody on Facebook. I want to say hi to everybody on YouTube as well. What's everybody doing this evening? Hope everybody's having themselves a great, great, great night. Hope everybody uh, uh, that's, that's listening to us on our Before the Hedges uh on our Before the Hedges uh, podcast that appears on Spotify, that appears on SoundCloud, and now is on the iTunes podcast platform. hope everybody is uh, having themselves a good day, too, wherever you may be joining us uh, as well. You see what I'm doing right now, folks? This is called filibustering as I'm trying to – I had a computer restart um, prior to our broadcast, so that means I have to uh, – restart and log into a lot of my browsers uh, to check out what's going on. Uh, pulling up Facebook now. Uh, also pulling up uh, YouTube. Hope everybody's having themselves a very good evening. What do you guys think about this? What do you guys think that's going on right now with the, uh, the I guess, the different recruiting cycle than we've seen before? Do you guys, you guys feel a little spoiled because a lot of the times uh, the Georgia recruiting effort usually brings in a lot of these guys that we're high up on the board and maybe Georgia's not getting the chance to separate themselves from before. Do you feel a little spoiled by these great recruiting classes from Kirby smart? Do you, do you think things will change uh, once guys can make a lot of their big visits? I'd love to hear. I'd love to see what a lot of you guys think about that as well. Things will change. Um, Rodney Hewitt says, I sounds like I even sounds like I'm trying to keep your expectations down folks. I think the expectations are what they are. Georgia's going to finish with a top two, top three class in this recruiting cycle. It's just going to look a lot different uh, than most. Most It's going to be a lot more of those late flurries 
you know, again, Georgia, you look at their roster, you saw the, the, the reaffirmation of the commitment for Lavoisier Carroll. Georgia's got one of those commitment boards right now with only nine names. It's number 17 overall, where I think a lot of those names are going to stick. I would say the majority, almost all of them, all those names will stick. There's not going to be a lot of wiggle or a decommitments for Georgia's class. It's just going to be a lot of those classes that have upwards of 18, 19, 20, 22, 24 commitments at this time. Those are the ones that I feel are going to change, change a lot. Um, sea dog West, uh, Wyatt field. And I don't think it's, uh, Georgia going to see a lot of decommits. I think it's, um, I think it's going to be, uh, uh, the other schools that are maybe above Georgia in the rankings that are going to see a decommitment, uh, kind of spree or a flurry, um, what have you, uh, Darth Vedder's man. I did not have a, a beard. You're thinking about my, uh, thinking about my colleague, Brandon Adams. Uh, let's go, let's go to this right now. Everybody wants to know this class. Let's pull up the list of the, the current nine 2021 commitments right now. Let's roll through some, some things. Let's take a look at what's going on with, um, how that class is being composed. The recruiting rankings for these guys hasn't, haven't changed since, since our last show. Uh, but you see right there, Brock Vandegrift leading the way. Uh, number two dual threat, number 13 overall. He's, this, he's the same rankings. Micah Morris, Camden County, he's the same rankings. David Daniel out of Woodstock High School in Woodstock, Georgia. That's, where, that's my town where I reside, David Daniel. Uh, those rankings are staying the same. Uh, scrolling on to the next couple couple of pages there on the list. Uh, you see Georgia with its anchor quarterback. You see two names really high up there. Dylan Fairchild comes in out of West Forsyth. He committed at the beginning of uh, this month. Uh, Lavoisier Carroll, he was the guy that, you know, basically uh, my, my buddy Brandon Adams called it a dropped a nuclear bomb on Florida. But uh, he, he admitted, I thought it was a very public moment where he said he was thinking about Florida. He was thinking about what the, the Gators had to offer him, but he just thought the immediate playing time wasn't worth the benefit of three or four seasons in Athens. You see Jonathan Jefferson right there as well. Those are six of Georgia's nine commits right there. Seven, eight, nine. I think there's some really good players for Georgia there. I think, I think Elijah Judy, he was kind of the guy Georgia always wanted. One of the guys Georgia always wanted along with Dallas Turner at outside linebacker. I don't know if you guys noticed, but you saw Quentin Somerville, that name early in the cycle when Georgia uh, was looking hard at him. Uh, he just committed to Michigan on his mom's birthday, as he said he would. But Elijah Judy was a guy Georgia prioritized over Somerville. You see Chaz Chambliss, folks, if I was stacking this board up in terms of the the most solid, the most future guys that will that will be something for the University of Georgia, I'd move the Chaz Chambliss name up a lot higher. The lone three-star there is Marlon Dean as well. So, so right there, folks, you see the uh, current list of commitments. Georgia, you see right there, they have um, two offensive linemen committed. Uh, they have one defensive back committed. They have two defensive line commitments, one running back commitment. Uh, that's how the class is currently uh, coming together um, with nine names so far. And now, I think, think you guys were calling for it a little bit early on, on, on Facebook and also on YouTube. Let's take a good look at the top targets list. We have a new name at number 12. Uh, that's a name that I feel is a guy that you're going to hear a lot more about, especially as things open up. I think I can see Georgia making Prince Colley out of uh, Tennessee. That's Davy Crockett High School. 
in Tennessee, you can, I can see him definitely making a, uh, making a big move um, or, or becoming a guy that's going to be a much more um, household name on some of these lists. I would expect him to stay on, uh, stay on this top target, uh, top target list as well. Everybody's let me check in to uh, uh, Facebook, Randy Hall. I would not compare uh, Chas Chambliss to Nate McBride at all. I think, uh, you know, Nate, he's about a 10, eight, 100 meter type guy. He was about 220, 215, 220. Uh, Chas Chambliss is about 6'3, about 240. He actually trains with DBs now in the Atlanta area just to work on his ability to cover guys in space, to drop and cover in space. He is an outside linebacker. Chas Chambliss has also put up some tremendous film. I think he's got 34 career sacks playing for Carrollton High School. Nate McBride was always an inside linebacker, more of a chase linebacker and not a not a plug and play fill linebacker come downhill gap linebacker and inside linebacker i think uh chas chambliss is a true outside linebacker a guy that can rush the passer can set the edge be very physical up front for georgia and uh fill a lot of needs for georgia in this class um looking at our top targets you've got uh prince collie i mentioned him earlier out of jonesboro tennessee Tyrion Ingram Dawkins. We'll get into some more thing about Tyrion Ingrams out of Ga- Ingram Dawkins out of Gaffney, South Carolina. Xavier Sorry Jr. out of Graceville, Florida. Xavier is kind of the guy that Georgia has looked at as the inside linebacker ever since um, Barrett Carter was um, trending towards Clemson. Brock Bowers. Did you guys see the flip uh, on Twitter this week where he did a backflip, kind of a standing backflip, six three, about two hundred forty pounds. True athleticism right there. You've got Donovan Edwards at number eight. That's the running back out of uh, Bloomfield, Michigan, West Bloomfield. He's another guy that I feel Georgia could really get in a very good spot with if he, him and his family were just allowed the chance to um, take, take some unofficial and more unofficial visits. Number seven, you have Terrence Ferguson out of Peach County, Fort Valley, Georgia. He's moved up a spot this week as well. Uh, the next slide on the list, you're going to see another name that comes in at number six. Uh, number six on your list, um, we've seen guys moving up and down. Um, with with the, with the next guy up on our board, you've got um, with our top targets list. It's one of those that we we change it a little bit from time to time. We've got um, right there Corey Foreman. I know you guys were enjoying me building some of the suspense there for Corey Foreman, but I really think George is going to have a shot with Corey Foreman. Corey Foreman's a guy that. Um, and like some of these other guys, he's he has stated that he's going to wait until December, right around the early signing period, to make his college decision known. Still has a lot to look at there. I think Oregon's going to get an official from him. Georgia's going to get an official. Clemson, should they still have room uh, in, in late November, December in their class for a, uh, an outside linebacker, uh, weak side defensive end type? If they still have room, you can see – Corey Foreman giving his old school he was committed to an official visit. The two main schools for Georgia to think about there, there's LSU and there's also the University of Southern California. Um, next on the list, we've got um, Dallas Turner. That's the guy we spoke of at the, at the open of our show. Dallas Turner um, established his top five, set his top five, going to make his decision on July the 1st. For the longest time, that decision has always been Georgia and Alabama. 
uh, Dallas has always articulated to me that Georgia uh, and Alabama are very similar, highly similar. They recruit in the same way. He feels like a priority to both schools, but he just looks at it and he sees uh, NFL pipeline, NFL pedigree, and championships at Alabama being the only only difference between Georgia and Alabama in that head-to-head. And that's why he's a lot of times felt that Alabama was just a little bit ahead of Georgia. Um, that's another guy that I think could have benefited from a visit, as stated earlier. But uh, you know, Dallas Turner says he's ready to make his college decision known and he's ready to, to get it going. And, you know, one of those, one of those things, you know, that, that I'll just kind of say right now is with a guy like Grimes, you know, Georgia is going to take – Georgia is going to be one of the schools. We've reported this on dognation.com is – Grimes is going to give Georgia a visit after his decision next week. He's going to visit uh, the school he commits to, and then he's going to visit, He, I was told, two of his other finalists. So he's going to take at least three official visits. Where, wherever school he decides next uh, next Tuesday, it's not going to be a Katie bar the door or shut the door, shut down of his recruitment. He's still going to take his visits. And I think with Georgia and a head-to-head with maybe North Carolina there or maybe Texas A&M there, I think Georgia can win a lot of those head-to-heads, especially when you see the product on the field. I think the thing that's different between Dallas Turner and the Tony Grimes decisions that are upcoming is that Georgia's probably not going to win a lot of head-to-heads with Alabama because a lot of the things that Alabama offers, uh, that Georgia offers, Alabama does the same, except they have uh, the big shiny trophies in the trophy case to think about as well. Um, you keep looking on that list right now, Amarius Mims. He's actually dropped a spot, Amarius Mims. There's some chatter out there about him recently, about you know him fancying the Tennessee Vols. Um, I think everybody pointed out to it on the Dog Nation forum about the the relationship he has with Parkview running back Cody Brown and how they'd al- they'd always made a promise together about their playing futures. Uh, Marius Mims still five five-star offensive tackle, huge, huge target for Georgia in its dream offensive line class for the 2021 cycle. We've moved up Schmile Munden Jr. Uh, to the uh, number three slot this week just because I think that inside linebacker spot becomes very important. If you start looking at this board and where Georgia, this board, this top targets board for uh, dog nations before the Hedges program has always been, you're going to see uh, a name like Schmile Munden has always been up there as the highest priority along with it, like the Barrett Carters, the Dallas Turners, the Tony Grimes of the world as well. Uh, number two, you've got James Williams. That's the five-star safety defensive athlete out of American Heritage. Um, man, I think he, I think he's a tremendous player. Uh, he's the type of guy that can erase a lot of matchup benefits that the, um, that the offense might have. I think James Williams can, can be one of those, you know, basically – unseen, uh, very rare type unicorn players on a defense, the way he would be able to play in the box in a 4-2-5. You look at Georgia, they're mostly in the 4-2-5 right now in a lot of their sets in the SEC. Um, the many different ways that James Williams can help a defense, um, man, that's why he's number two. And I think he's a guy that, to me, on this board right now, the most likely guy, if Georgia was able to sign him for that guy to come in and play right away, push the starters, reach the reach the one deep, the two deep in his freshman year. I would think if Georgia signs James Williams, I think he would be that guy. Um, number one, we still have Tony Grimes out of uh, out of Princess Anne in Virginia Beach, Virginia. 
Uh, Tony Grimes ranks as the nation's number one overall corner, number seven overall prospect. As we said earlier, set to make his decision known on June the 30th. And, uh, folks, I'm going to give you a teaser that, um, that Tony Grimes is a very good football player as well. And, you know, he's one of those guys that um, wherever that decision goes in the coming, in the coming, in the coming weeks, in the coming months, that's a guy that you're going to continue to hear this name a lot uh, on the Dog Nation program. You're either going to see him on the commitment board next week um, or you're going to see him on the uh, top targets list next week as well because he's one of those recruits, kind of like what I stated in the, in, the, in the open to our show. I think there's going to be a lot of meat on the bone left for a lot of these recruiting stories, and I, I don't think a lot of these are even going to get started until um, these recruits are allowed to get back on campus and start visiting again. And I still think my own perception here is that's going to be a couple more months at least before we see a lot of that happening. Um, you know, one thing I wanted to get into today, I know mostly my lane here is to talk about um, to discuss a lot of things regarding recruiting with the university of Georgia. Uh, I just want to kind of frame up some things where, you know, everybody's taking a look at Georgia, and it seems like a lot of stories involving quarterbacks or the Georgia quarterbacks catch a lot of eyes, and folks are really wondering about the quarterback position. I think it's very interesting what Georgia could potentially have should JT Daniels become available and eligible to play this fall because you've got a guy. I don't think a lot of people know this stuff about JT Daniels, but you've really got two guys. Uh, well, let's start, first of all, with, with Jamie Newman. Uh you know, Jamie Newman has only been uh, a starter for two seasons in college football. If you guys remember, if you guys remember um, way back when, there's a fellow named Jacob Eason that came to Georgia in the class of 2016. Well, Jamie Newman was a class of 2016 recruit as well. He wasn't a four-star, high four-star, high five-star, but Jamie Newman was part of the 2016 recruiting cycle. He redshirted in 2016. Uh, for Wake Forest, he he basically threw I think three passes in his redshirt freshman year for Wake Forest. Um, in 2018, he was a redshirt sophomore, and he got beat out by a true freshman. Ironically, you guys will remember the true freshman folks. You'll be going through your mind's eye right now, but the true freshman that actually beat out Jamie Newman in the 2018 season was actually a young man that appeared on that QB one program with Justin Fields. In that year, that was a young man. I believe he was from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, or maybe even Charleston, South Carolina. That was the guy coached by um, um, that young man's name. What that, that was a guy coached by, um, um, you know, the the really great quarterback from a few years back uh, that played for Florida, transferred from Florida, and went on to West Virginia. His father was actually his head coach uh, out in South Carolina, and he he was the guy that beat out Jamie Newman. And then he had an injury and Jamie Newman basically in his red shirt, uh, in his red shirt sophomore year, uh, he, he finally got to start the last four or five games of the year for, for Wake Forest. He played great in his first start against North Carolina state. He beat a top 25, uh, North Carolina state team on the road <clears throat> and then finished out the year uh, in fine fashion, winning three of his first four starts. But when you look at, when you look at Jamie Newman, he, he has, 16 total career starts at Wake Forest, even though he's a graduate transfer. And he looks like a physical grown man uh, at that position. I think one of my, uh, a friend of mine that's seen a lot of this Jamie Newman workout film 
over the last couple of months on his uh, social media channels, kind of likened him to a smaller Joe Frazier. That's how well put together he was. But when you see, when you see, when you see, when you see Newman, you got to remember the big number there is 16 starts. But when you look at JT Daniels, JT Daniels only had 12 career, only had 12, he had 12 career starts and really a season in one game there at USC. So by and large, both of these young men have about the same sample size of college football, real live, real live fire type college football experience. Um, Daniels had six wins in his career starts, and then Newman had 10 wins in his 16 career starts. You go back things on, on, on JT Daniels. I think maybe a lot of you guys might know this. You might not, but you know, everybody brings up the point that JT Daniels uh, committed uh, and he reclassified. He was he he missed his he missed his senior season of uh, skipped his senior season of high school football in order to to enroll and win the job at USC in 2018. Well, he did do that, but uh, JT Daniels was a guy I feel that was ready for it. He was a guy that had, was the age that um, he was actually the age of the quarterbacks coming out in the 2017 class, not the 2018 class. So he was old enough. And people will say, well, he skipped his senior year. Well, correct, he did. But he also, he did play three seasons of high school football, and he threw the ball 1,100 times in those three seasons. If you look at JT Daniels and his stat line in high school, I think the number is 115 uh, career touchdown passes in high school, 14 interceptions. He threw for over 11,000 yards in high school. I think he was very well prepared to take over the job at USC, despite the fact that he reclassified a year early and graduated a year early, because that was already the track he was on would be to have entered uh, his track. He was on would, would have been to actually to enter college football with the 2017 cycle, at least according to his age. Um, another thing to think about there with, uh, with JT Daniels is as a point of comparison, um, when you bring up the fact that he'd thrown 1,100 passes in high school football, I'm going to throw out a name, a very intriguing name, a guy that everybody knows has all the talent in the world, and that's Justin Fields. Justin Fields only threw about 400 passes and started 19 games of high school football. Uh, you wonder about the preparation level for Justin Fields and his readiness coming in to try and beat out a Jake Fromm in the 2018 season, his lone season at Georgia. Well, you've got Daniels with a resume where he had, he had a 67-touchdown pass season during one of his three years at Modern Day in California, and he'd thrown over 1,100 passes in high school, completed 750 of those passes. So when you look at, when you look at uh, JT Daniels, that resume, um, he's really got a lot of the same playing experience that a, that a Jamie Newman would have, despite Jamie Newman being a graduate transfer and, a, and an older player thought that was very interesting to think about and certainly should both of those young men be eligible for Georgia. We know Newman will be, but if JT Daniels becomes eligible, wonder, you know, there won't be a big gap in preparation and readiness and playing time. I think the biggest thing for JT Daniels he'd have to do is he'd have to shake off the rust from that knee injury that cost him his entire uh, sophomore season, which would, which became a redshirt season at Southern Cal. Um, one thing to think about coming up, uh, coming up uh, over the next week is Brock Vandegrift. We mentioned him over the next. Uh, we mentioned him during our, our commitment board uh, discussion, but Brock Vandegrift is actually going to get to compete in the Elite Eleven next week. This time next week, he'll be in the middle of the Elite Eleven. It'll be in the Nashville, Tennessee area. 
metro area. Brock Vandegrift will be will be there competing against some of the other top quarterbacks in the country. Caleb Williams will be there. Everybody remembers the name Caleb Williams. He's also set to make his commitment on July 4th as well. Um, but Caleb Williams will be there. J.J. McCarthy will be there. A lot of the biggest names in the 2021 recruiting cycle will be there. Uh, Drake May, the guy going to North Carolina, he'll be there as well. So you, you'll get to see – you'll get to see – We'll get to see Dog Nation. We'll be there, of course. We'll get to see Brock Vandegrift compete, and we'll see how he does in the Elite 11 quarterback derby. And we'll kind of compare it to what Carson Beck was like a year ago and the year before that, um, you know, what Georgia's you know, top tar- targets were like a year before that. You saw Jake Fromm was in that, in, in that, in that competition in the summer of 2016. Uh, with, with Justin Fields, he was there in the summer of 2017. Jacob Eason was there in the summer of 2015. Georgia will have another five-star, highly-rated quarterback of the future competing in the Elite 11. And for me, for all of you guys, I hope it'd be great to actually see in some live action again, something recruiting-related returning to normal that's kind of been one of the staples of the summer is getting to go to an Elite 11. There will not be, I'm told, an opening this year, uh, but at least there will be an Elite 11. Uh, one, a couple of things I wanted to bring to your attention. This is a a part of our show where I kind of show a couple of things online that kind of stood out to me that I wanted to make sure you guys uh, got, we kind of brought it to your attention. The first one I want to bring up is uh, uh, we mentioned the name Tyrion Ingram Dawkins earlier. That's the, that's the fringe in my mind, close to uh, top five, top 10 uh, defensive tackle out of Gaffney, South Carolina. We showed the footwork for him last week. Um, let's take a look right now at the um, – uh, you folks don't try this at home when you're around your, uh, your swimming pools or whatever, but look at six feet, six inches, 300 pounds. He's got all ten toes down in the bottom of a swimming pool, and he jumps up. He elevates his 300 pounds um, over the edge of that swimming pool. I'd like to know how many of you folks on uh, YouTube – I'd like to know how many of you folks on uh, – Dog Nation uh, on Dog Nation's Facebook page. How many of you guys can make a similar effort and jump out of your uh, swimming pool as well? So I think JT Daniels was something to think about there. Speaking of, I mean, excuse me, JT Daniels, I was looking to a comment on the Facebook uh, feed right now, but I think Tyrion Ingram Dawkins is a guy to look at there. And uh, speaking of Tyrion Ingram Dawkins, let's look at this one. And this was a tweet that was sent out by Georgia commitment Marlon Dean, where he made the he made the kind of cryptic point, not so cryptic point, that he said uh, that it was great adding another one to the family. And look who replies to that tweet. You see the screenshot right here up on your screens. The reply to that tweet is from Tyrion Ingram. Dawkins as well. That's the big defensive tackle out of South Carolina. Look at that one. You see the bulldog, you see hairy dog, and you see the silent thing right there. I wonder, what do you guys read into that? Do you read into that? Certainly seems like that's a good prospect for something going on in the future for Tyrion Ingram Dawkins. Uh, Tyrion has two uh, official visits set. He told Rivals.com that earlier this week. Um, One of those would be to... um, uh, Tennessee, Tennessee has been recruiting him very hard, and also South Carolina. Those two schools already have official visits. Alabama just offered him. LSU and Georgia are also recruiting him very hard as well. But you see, um, you see right there, uh, 
very interesting to see that there from uh, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins. Got a few more things I want to show you. Let's take a look at this tweet here from uh, Dion Glover. Now, folks, that's no relation to the former Georgia Tech basketball hoop star of about 20 years ago. Uh, but that's Dion Glover. That's the father of Tony Grimes. Take a look at this tweet because he, he made the point on social media where he said there was one head coach I was talking to who told him that um, regardless of which school you choose, no matter what program you choose, we are going to be friends for the rest of my life. And um, he said that there was a head coach that told him that and it made him want to rethink some things. And he threw out some fire emojis. Well, the next day he put this tweet up where he said, which head coach said to me that and look at the votes already. He put a, he put a, a weak poll up there. There's already almost 6,000 votes at the time we screenshotted this tweet, but um, Kirby smart has 46% of those votes, but you see Mac Brown of North Carolina there, those 36 votes are really 36% of the votes from North Carolina fans. We all know that, but um, coach Glover, uh, Dion Glover actually said, that Mac Brown wasn't the coach that told him that. So uh, you see right there, Ryan Day, Jimbo Fisher. This is in some ways a way for each respective fan base to represent online about uh, what they think about their head coach. And for right there, you see Dog Nation, you see some of the Georgia people there on, on Twitter have, have kind of made their opinion uh, fairly clear on that matter. Got a few more tweets to show you. After that, I'm going to get to uh, – your questions will always close your uh, close our store our story with your questions. Um, the last two tweets we want to show you. Here's the top four for Tony Grimes. This was his announcement tweet. Really, kind of, uh, we kind of thought that the decision might happen sooner than the December first, uh, 2020 date that he'd thrown out. But um, he decided to move things up a lot faster than that. He just felt he told me like he was ready to make his college decision. And then you see the other, the, other, the other kind of decision in focus right now for a lot of Georgia fans, for a lot of Alabama fans. Um, you see the, the tweet there from Dallas Turner as well. You see his top five down below. He's going to make his decision known um, with CBS Sports and 24-7 Sports on July the 1st. So a lot of flurry of activity, things that are going to maybe, maybe either be benefits to Georgia or it's going to be obstacles to Georgia as they try to put together their best possible recruiting class. Because I think whatever happens with both of those guys next week, you're going to see Georgia continue to recruit them heavily because those are the priorities at the top of the board. And, you know, to try to use another sports metaphor this evening, I just don't think Georgia's really staff has really felt like it's had a chance to recruit these guys or even get in the box and dig in their heels and swing the bat on trying to give their give these young men their best pitches going forward. Um, with that, um, I think um, the tweet that we kind of got out of order here a little bit, I think the first one I called for was Tyrion Ingram Dawkins. Uh, Tyrion, as I was talking to you guys earlier, folks that are listening on the podcast, Tyrion was the six foot six, 300 pound guy that basically is at the side of a pool, a side of a pool ledge. And he jumps out of the pool and lands off the edge uh, lands on the edge. He basically, um, he basically powers himself up out of the water. Very hard, very athletic thing to do. Jumps out of what looks like four or five feet of water and is able to power himself up and kind of bunny hop all the way up to the top of the edge of the pool from, from inside the pool. That's very, very hard to do. Um, you got Smile Munden as well. 
Um, one of the things we reported earlier this week on DogNation.com is um, everybody was wondering about Smile because, uh, you know, Smile for Smile, some of these tweets he's put out. Uh, there was the thinking that he was going to make his decision in June. I talked with a couple sources really close to that situation. And um, I don't expect Smile Munden to make his commitment now in the month of June. Um, so that's something to think about right there. Um, guys, before we get to our questions, I want to make sure we get a lot of your questions in. Um, I want to take a minute. You know, you guys see Kroger on the screen. You see Kroger behind me in the backdrop on our step and repeat. Uh, we also uh, want to take, por- uh, take, take a time portion out of every show uh, to uh, be thankful and be appreciative of the, of the partnership we have with Kroger. And I give you guys another chance to hear that smooth sounds and those melodic tones of Brandon Adams, our five-star pitchman, um, with a special message from Kroger. We'll get back to the show in just a moment, but first, a quick word from Kroger. Kroger has made shopping for the groceries and household essential items that you need even easier by offering free pickup. Just shop online, choose a pickup time convenient for you, and Kroger will carefully pick out your order and bring it to your vehicle when you arrive. So the next time you're ready to shop at Kroger, take advantage of the free pickup. It's just another way that Kroger is fresh for everyone. All right, guys, and we're back. Uh, What I'm going to do, Noah Sheldon giving some props. Are you Jerry Maguire, Noah, for Brandon Adams on YouTube? Uh, BA has the uh, best um, voice on Dog Nation. Well, I hope so. I hope he does. I, I would probably agree with you as well. Um, yeah, Ace Dog, I got you, man. Three feet are the most. Yeah, Ace Dog, let me. Uh, do you, I don't know if I can do that. Can you do that? I still think that's very impressive for a young man that's six feet, six inches. That's a lot of leg, that's a lot of body, uh, to be able to get, um, all that stuff, all that stuff up and out of there. Um, lots of people are talking about, um, quarterbacks on YouTube. Um, Jamal Major. Hey, man, I'm going to give the chance to have an an intelligent dialogue there at all. Uh, Newman, uh, Jamel points out that Jeff loves statues at quarterback. Actually, I don't. Uh, I think the best quarterbacks in college football are the ones that can extend and escape and keep their eyes downfield, kind of like what Joe Burrow did last year. I think with Georgia and how precarious its season is and the way they have the ability to really do some special things this year, I think it, it, it behooves Jamie Newman or it behooves the offensive line to, to keep him protected and to keep a clean pocket because the more games that Georgia's best quarterback starts, the more likely that championship, ta- championship chase takes place. Um, you know, Jamel, if you could go back in time with me to the 2003, 2004, 2005 season, I was a guy that was probably banging the drum, uh, wondering why DJ Shockley didn't get a lot more reps or split time in a lot of big games. I can quote quote verbatim the, the you know the play he made in that Clemson game in order to, to to spark things early on in his career and you know what he did with his final season. That's I mean it was an amazing year for a Georgia quarterback. And you to think about how tough that decision was because listen David Green on anybody's Rushmore top five quarterbacks list in Georgia football history. He's got to be there as well. Um, that is another, um, you know, we talk about quarterback debates through the years with dog nation. 
it's just par for the course. It was Fields and Fromm. It was Eason and Fromm. It's going to be Daniels. Maybe Daniels and Newman should both of those guys get eligible. And I think, you know, the thing, you know, you know, Jamal, I'm, we all appreciate your opinion, everybody's opinion, but I want to know how much have you watched, um, watched Newman's Wake Forest film. I bet you've watched a lot, but when you watch, when you watch Newman's Wake Forest film, you see a lot of guys that it, he's almost a guy that is, is bound and determined to sit in that pocket and wait until the last minute for his read to come open and to fling that ball downfield, man, he can chunk that ball over the field got clear tremendous arm talent but you see a lot of his plays you know his mobility he basically used his legs on you know rpo plays or designed runs designed run calls you don't see a lot of him just kind of jack rabbiting out of the pocket and making things happen on his legs with improvisational ability jamie newman to his credit realizes that you know Maybe it was even really good preparation for the SEC because you know there, there's some dudes in the ACC that could probably chase him down off the edge. He's not a four 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 five guy um, like Lamar Jackson was or, or Justin Fields is right now. You know Newman's more of a four seven four, low four seven high four six guy in the forty, um, and he's a guy that will probably make a lot of his plays for Georgia with his legs in the red zone with a lot of RPO looks, but. You know, he's a guy that's going to stand in that pocket and look downfield and try to make a lot of plays with his arm. Or at least that's what he's done a whole lot. Uh, he did a whole lot so far at uh, he did a whole lot so far at um, Wake Forest in his career. Uh, Munson, two twenty one. Uh, you know, I would think uh, Munson, if I had to put a put a put a wooden nickel on it or whatever. I would think Dominic Blaylock is going to be the type of guy that's going to be ready to play and ready to play early for Georgia. I think it's to me it's going to be a question of not whether or not Georgia keeps him under wraps until that game in Tuscaloosa. Um, Blaylock is just one of those special athletes. Ace dog. Yeah, I know, man. Can we do this out of kiddie pools? I think that's pretty funny as well. I think that's something you just don't see a lot with a man uh, that is as talented as uh, Tyrion Ingram Dawkin is. And for a lot of folks, if you get down in the dog nation form and read that thing every day, like I do, and participate in it every day, like I do, when you see um, when you see lots of folks on our lots of folks that know a thing or two about watching film, uh, college coaches, former college coaches, high school coaches. Uh, they are very, very high on Tyrion Ingram Dawkins as a guy that has a lot of ability and a lot of potential for Georgia in that um, 2021 20, recruiting cycle. Um, you know, there's a lot of things to look at. You've got, you know, Georgia, I think the number that, you know, Mike and I were chopping this up earlier this week, Mike Griffith, of course. And right now, Georgia's quarterback room is going to have nine guys as it's set right now on that roster in the quarterback room, you know, for a guy like Stetson Bennett, for example, folks, Stetson Bennett was the number two quarterback on Georgia's depth chart last year. Nathan Priestley, um, a walk on from California was the number three. He was the guy that got on the bus and was in uniform and on the sidelines for all those big sec road games a year ago, man, you can put together a lot of combinations for Georgia's, most likely three guys on the bus for this fall. Now, of course, the practice field's got to figure this out. You got to know whether or not um, JT Daniels is going to be A, healthy and sound with that knee, but also B, eligible and getting a, a waiver to play immediately from his transfer from the NCAA. 
Um, those are things that are up in the air, but you wonder who those three are going to be for Tuscaloosa. Is that going to be Jamie Newman? Is that going to be Daniels or is that going to be Beck or is that going to be um, Dwan Mathis? Make sure we got to get Dwan Mathis's name in here as well. But, you know, those guys, you, you look at a guy like Nathan Priestley, when you include Jackson Muschamp, that's Will Muschamp's son, who's a walk-on, Austin Kirksey, that's Dominic Blaylock's former quarterback at Walton High, who was a three-star recruit, a higher-rated recruit than Stetson Bennett. Austin Kirksey actually was an early enrollee scholarship player at Nevada. That's a Division I program. Uh, he is a preferred walk-on now at Georgia. Um, you've got John Setter who comes back. John Setter came into Georgia with Jake Fromm. He's been in the program that long as well. He's on, he's on the Georgia roster. I think Georgia had 22 preferred walk-ons they shared on that roster um, with everything else. When you count all those names up, you got nine quarterbacks, and you wonder how in the world can a guy like Nathan Priestley you know, you think about Carson Beck, you think about Dwan Mathis, you think about Jamie Newman. Folks, I, I know it's there's a lot, a lot of things going on where folks were maybe on pause during the corona. But from the end of the SEC championship game, Georgia has brought in five new quarterbacks. They've seen uh, they've seen Jake Fromm move on to the NFL, um, but they've brought in five new quarterbacks, including two two elite level quarterback transfers in Jamie Newman. And JT Daniels. Also, you've got Carson Beck with a an arm as good as anybody in that room, especially his accuracy, downfield accuracy, intermediate throws, actor accuracy. He's got great cognitive ability. You got Dwan Mathis, who who was really looking good in some of those early offseason workouts, the January, February workouts. Um, you have him, and he's a got sprinter speed. He can go below a hundred in the eleven seconds in the hundred meter dash. What Georgia has done in basically six months with its quarterback room is staggering how they've gotten the ability to where, you know, who's going to fit in or all those Georgia currently has six scholarship quarterbacks. I think that Derby, and I'm going to call it a Derby to see who remains out of that will be one of the more interesting storylines of the Georgia preseason. Um, let's see. Want to want to know what everybody has to say on Facebook? You know, Trey Richmond brings up a good point. I bet if I had a straw poll and I want everybody in there, let, let's do this right now. Um, if you feel that Kyrus, I'm going to throw a fact out. You're going to tell me true or false. Kyrus Jackson has as many starts among the Georgia returning wide receivers as anyone. Um as anyone in the program. Um, you think about George Pickens. I don't know if he started more than four or five games last year. I don't know if Dominic started more than four or five games last year. Demetrius Robertson, has he started seven, eight games right now? Kyrus Jackson, folks, has started a handful of games for the University of Georgia over the last, especially last season. I thought Kyrus, you know, I'm not going to predict he's going to have George Pickens-type numbers this year or a George Pickens-type impact. But I do think, you know, Kyrus was a guy that was going to have a better, a better redshirt freshman season. If not, he kind of got things sideways with the wrist injury against Vanderbilt. He's physical. He's fast. He's not a burner, but he's fast enough. Going to help Georgia with a lot of that outside run game. Uh, and you really, uh, I would imagine Kyrus Jackson to get a lot of the same reps that Tyler Simmons got a year ago.
Matt Talley. Hope you guys are doing well. Hope everybody's doing well. Kathy Aquavia Green. Um, let me make sure I'm getting a lot of these questions. David Brown, how are you? Uh, Eric Emmett. Uh, you know, that's one, that's one guy you hear a lot of noise about is this should be, uh, I know he should be, uh, you know, a lot of people, a lot of comments, a lot of quarterback comments as well, um, Everything in there. Peter Jeffrey Wilson, how are you guys? Willie Gray wants to know, who do I think wide receiver two is going to be behind Pickens? I think it's going to be Blaylock. And if you give me a third choice, I would say it would be Demetrius Robertson, followed by uh, Burton and Rosamy. Those who are the guys that I think will uh, eventually come together as the top five, at least by the time the games are going to be played. The big games are going to be played in November. I think Kyrus Jackson will have the chance to really make something happen early in the year. Everybody wonders if the light will come on or the light will stay on. Let me say this with respect to Matt Landers and his ability, because he does show flashes. He's shown a lot of flashes in practice. But um, I would say you know, one of the better feel-good stories for the Georgia season might be if Matt Landers finally realizes all of his true potential um, that Georgia fans have been wanting to see for quite some time. You know, the, 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 here's the thing. Uh, <clears throat> And here's the thing, uh, you know, one, one of the things, I guess people are missing the big picture here. Or let me show you with you what I th think is kind of the big picture here with a lot of your questions. <clears throat> There's people that, you know, come in as a, a Carson Beck guy or definitely a Dwan Mathis guy or a Newman guy or a JT Daniels guy. I think you're missing the point. The point is, compared to what Georgia had with a, a former preferred walk-on quarterback, and a walk-on quarterback as the number two and number three last season to go from that to all those names. And you're going to have Newman, you're going to have Mathis, you're going to have Beck, you're going to have Daniels, um, all those names guys. And what, here's the certainty to think of whoever wins that job, whoever comes out of that, um, whoever comes out of that, you're going to have a great quarterback for the university of Georgia. Georgia, because he's going to be battle tested. He's going to earn the job in camp. Nobody's got any, you know, reps ahead of anybody else or experience ahead of anybody else to look at. Um, that's going to be the guy. You know, one of the things that just dropped right now, guys, in the middle of this, I was wondering if it was going to come today or tomorrow. One of the things that just dropped today, right now on Twitter is you see Prince Colley. Prince Colley, uh, who ironically made our top targets list for the first time tonight, uh, Prince Colley has dropped his top five. One, two, three, four, five. Here are your names. There are some very big ones. You got the University of Georgia. You got the Louisville football program right there. You've got Oklahoma, LSU, and Notre Dame. Folks, Prince Colley, we kind of drifted through that with the. Uh, top targets portion because we had 12 names to get to, but you want to talk about a linebacker um, who had 74 tackles last year and also caught 67 passes for over a thousand yards. That is a unique skill set. The amount of game plan acumen he has to 
be able to handle that burden as a game-breaker wide receiver, 67 catches, over 1,000 yards, and also have 74 tackles last year, playing both ways all the time. That is a special football player, a mentally adept football player as well. He's just dropped his top five, and you have Georgia, Notre Dame, LSU, Oklahoma, and Louisville in that top five. There are some very, very big name, big schools on that, and the very reflective and representative of Prince Colley and his overall ability. Had a chance to talk to him a bunch of times, uh, tell his story with Dog Nation as well. Go back, Google that, find that on the Dog Nation page. That is a young man. Should Georgia end up with him in their 2021 recruiting class, that they would be, uh, it would be a very good, very, very good sign for Georgia in the 2021 recruiting class. Uh, guys, uh, I would like to say thanks to everybody for joining me on another Wednesday night. Um, hope everybody uh, learned something, got to get some quarterback talking. Everybody's got to scratch that itch at least once a week. Um, want to say thank you again to our folks at Kroger. I'm sure you guys are all running off to your swimming pools right now to try and replicate what Tyrion Ingram Dawkins did early in one of our tweets. I wanted to point out to you guys as well. Um, still staggering athletic ability. want to say thanks to everybody on YouTube. Thanks to all our diehards that show up every week and watch us and give our program such great support. Um, I think I can speak for all of us at dog nation when we hope that we give you guys that jolt, that juice, or that information fix that you guys need regarding your beloved uh, Georgia football team. Um, and with that, I'm going to tell you guys, have yourself a very good evening. I got a couple of interviews lined up. I got to knock out later tonight. Um, but from all of us at Dog Nation, I'm Jeff Sintel. Thanks to everybody at Kroger. Thanks to everybody for stopping by on another edition of Before the Hedges. And we'll see everybody soon on the pages of dognation.com. So Georgia, who won't pick it? I love the family atmosphere and the way they handle business. Education is important, trying to reach the next level. I want the best in life, I never settle.